This is Everything Elite, the first, the best AEW podcast. It's me, AB, and I, I'm just going to start this the way I have to start it. Uh, very sad to see tribalism in the ranks of AEW fans on Twitter. Uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, death threats. I'm getting a lot of things mailed to my house. Uh, and all because I, I don't like the CM Punk and MJF feud. It, it's sad to see. And I'm embarrassed to be an AEW fan on this night. Uh, I'm joined by Nate, who uh, is frankly probably one of the people sending me death threats. How are you, Nate? Yeah, Aaron, I, I love you. I hate to do this to you, but uh, the death threats are justified. Um, you know, there may come a point at which they cross a line where I, I will no longer endorse them. Um, but but to this point, it's an appropriate reaction. It's a measured reaction. Uh, and I, I hope it will, you know, go toward uh, uh, making you conducive to better behavior in the future, I think. This is just, you know, the wisdom of the crowd is, is, is responding to you and telling you, no, you're wrong. Uh, we need to try and get you fired from your job uh, in order to correct this. I can't help but notice, Nate, that you are white and you have this criticism of me. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of backed me into a corner here. (laughs) Not where I thought you were going with this. Shockingly, the white podcaster is coming after me again. Also joined by another white podcaster. It's Mike. What's up, Mike? So, uh, I, I, I have heard something through, you you know, I, I'm a part of like whisper networks, Aaron. And I, I've noticed that there is someone who is behind a lot of these threats and accusation towards your character tonight. And I'm prepared to reveal them. It is. Okay. I mean, I just want you to know before you say this, uh, I am one of the most petty people alive. I will do everything I can to destroy this person. But go ahead. You, uh, you did uh, You did prior to this onslaught of about uh, 30 quote tweets or whatever this evening, somebody quote tweeted you at like 2 p.m. today and you were mad about it for like eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when they quote tweeted me, I didn't do anything. Uh, I did tweet thinking about bringing back that no chill AB feeling because I thought about uh, destroying their entire fucking life. But uh turns out maybe they were friends with uh, my friends so you know just let it fucking go <laughs> well i was gonna make a bobby fish joke here but it's completely oh. gone at this point i was gonna say it was gonna be one roberto pescado was behind this <laughs> See, I, thought, I thought you were going to gabe as, as oh. where i thought you were going <laughs> oh, 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 oh no uh, mr sapolsky's too busy looking at making a non-fungible way of trying to box Aaron this time. Ooh, non-fungible death threats. I think we're onto something here. <laughs> totally unique death threats, uh, backed by the blockchain and available for your money laundering needs. And each one ends with us asking, how is the stream? How is the show? That didn't get the response I was hoping for. Sorry. I didn't get the reference. I was... It's a, it was a game reference, but I, I was I was distracted. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Momentarily, I apologize to everyone. Um, that's that was, funny. That was a good reference, Mike. I'm sorry I missed it. Thank you, Nate. We're here to build each other up, not tear them down. 
Except for Aaron, who I will be daring down. <laughs> Non-fungible death threats is very funny to me. <laughs> I will be piece. thinking about that going forward. I would, oh, shit. Okay. I, I shouldn't say this on the podcast because I want to... Well, nobody else can make it but me. I want to make an NFT of the Gabe DM where he said... Uh, I'm going to fire a, a wrestler at random if you don't give me your source. I think did, I did could you, make some money off of that. Yeah. Did you ever kind of like in your mind during this, because mm-hmm. we're just going to go right into this. Did you ever like try to figure out who he was going to fire at random? Do you think it would have been like random like Jason Kincaid? I, I mean, I don't know who he would have fired at random. Um Gabe, I, the DMs are open. Just, just slide in. Well, we've had our beef, but I, I want to know the juicy deets about that. I like to believe it would have been Ethan Page. I think that's the funniest possible thing that could have happened. Yeah. I, I mean, Ethan Page would like, I'm certain that the locker room was very uncomfortable then. And and Ethan prob- might have just been happy. I don't know. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. He might have just like walked straighter and straight into impact even sooner. Yeah, this is a real sliding door situation. Uh, you know, really, you might have improved some lives if you'd uh, if you'd gotten him to fire somebody. See, uh, Aaron today would probably just pick my least favorite person and say, uh, "That's who. To- that's who the source is," <laughs> and just see what havoc I could wreak. <laughs> that is, know. that's a tempting proposition. It is. I wouldn't. Well, no, I, w- I would do that if someone had actually. Uh, made me mad in some way, I would definitely do it. No questions asked. Okay. All right. Add normal, everything AEW. Normal start to the show. It's <laughs> our Twitter account. Uh, I'm at Aaron like the car. Uh, don't fucking go on there tonight. It's, uh, it's a wild ride. You're not hearing this till tomorrow, so I guess it'll be over by then. Uh, Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Two eyes. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Go to linktra.ee slash everything AEW. Find all our links. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app to listen to our podcast, uh, please give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, if you use Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. And if you want to support the show, the very best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. Uh, we are going to, as is customary, kick off the show with Elite. Or delete. We'll talk about our most favorite, least favorite things from the show. And we'll kick it off with uh, Nate. So what's your elite pick, Nate? What was your favorite thing for this week's episode of Dynamite? Pretty easy pick. I thought a pretty strong episode of the show generally, but peaked early with the opening match. Uh, Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes, they both do it again. They turn out a uh, shockingly high effort, high physical cost (laughs) opening match on this show uh ladder match for both tnt titles so i I, sammy is maybe like a three or a four time tnt champion not not sure how that works exactly uh but this really kind of blew me away because i was not expecting him to go this far uh, or this hard uh but it was also i think a pretty sound match i tweeted that it was kind of remarkable how novel it felt that they were doing like a one-on-one ladder match because I don't know, ever since maybe TLC, it feels like every ladder match has to have six, you know, minimum four people, maximum eight or nine people or something. Uh, So it just turned all ladder matches into kind of the same match, which is like, oh, you know, 
three guys are in the ring and, uh, you know, they do a spot and two of them roll out and die and they're dead for a while. And one guy climbs the ladder and then two more guys come in and they do a big spot. And it was just become this kind of cyclical thing that made the entire match live or die on how good or unique or uh, insane the spots were. Uh, but having a one-on-one ladder match was like, hey, we can actually like wrestle a match that has some kind of psychology and like you you create an additional drama of like you know you're not just sitting around waiting for the match to end and, and waiting for them to decide okay well we're out a lot of spots so now some guy's going to go up and climb the ladder it actually became like a push and pull thing where it's like one guy's uh you know climbing the ladder and the other guy has to rush to get in there uh it, it made it feel really more like a uh, like the Bretno and Cage match in the United Center, I think, where they actually worked it with some kind of semblance of psychology of, you know, the two guys, uh, you know, using the cage in a way that made sense rather than just uh, uh, launching ground for their spots. So that was great. And then the spots were great on top of it. Uh, actually, some fucking crazy spots. Uh, I mean, the big one being Sammy's Swanton onto a ladder, not through a ladder. They... I don't know, didn't have a gimmick ladder here while that Cody was on. So you basically saw Sammy get whiplash and his whole spine go under like five G's of, uh, what do you go through G's of force gravity? It's force. force? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go through five G's of force and get whiplash. And it looked disgusting. Uh, you had the very gnarly looking spot where Cody did the, you know, uh, vertical throne suplex onto the, like the, the inner workings of the ladder. That was gnarly. Um, and you got just some uh, kind of fun window dressing around that, then brawling into the crowd and doing that big spot and the big cutter uh, to the outside was pretty sick. Uh, and then you had the right finish. Sammy Guevara gets his belt back, vanquishes uh, the clearly heel Cody Rhodes, who took out Sammy Guevara with the, I'm not, took out Fuego del Sol with the Tiger Driver in the match. Uh, and Sammy is triumphant. Holds the belt high. They do a good job of like letting the moment sink in here for once, which they haven't always been great about. Like they did replays and had, you know, Sammy have his big crowning moment. Uh, and the crowd was super hot for Sammy. So when uh, Sammy lost the belt to Cody, I said, I hope this isn't Sammy being punished uh, for the fact that he, you know, did better than expected in matches against, uh, you know, lesser stars. I hope this is instead them doing a program with Cody. So Sammy can actually have a feud with a star of his own caliber. And that's kind of what we got here. We finally got a big blow off with Cody uh, putting Sammy over. Uh, and I was very happy with it. Yeah. It talking about like the psychology of this, like they started off basically doing a walk and talk. Like they brawled around the arena before they even really touched the ladder. And I was like, all right, that's an interesting way of, of looking at this match and kind of do it this way, but it built. And I felt like that that really added a whole lot to it. I, this was the match that I've said, oh, that was dumb the most that I've said in a long time. And just like, I have to say, like, they went for it and it was exhilarating. I don't know if this was like the capper of the star making performance for Sammy Guevara that I feel like that they try to build it up to be because it feels like they always like are building up to stuff with uh, Sammy and like there's an execution there, but doesn't necessarily take, but I'll be fascinated to see if this is the one that takes, but I have to say like the fact that somehow they worked this match, zero blood, unless there was something that was incidental that didn't 
catch. I thought it was all fascinating and just like that was one of the grossest bumps off a ladder for the uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 senton bomb. Just like the way that he whiplashed off the off of Cody, and it wasn't like that he bounced off the ladder. It just was like a bounce splat, like momentum. It was it was the G force there, Nate, that really got it going. And I have to say it for as much as people are up and down on Cody, I am a defender of Codyism, and I always will be. I think at this point, he does these spectacle matches so well. Like you look at the spectacle matches that Cody has had in this promotion. And maybe there is general Cody exhaustion and all of that. But the guy, when he wants to be telling stories, he's great at telling some damn stories. And it really worked off and it really worked out. And Fuego just like taking like one of the craziest bounce bumps off of that Tiger driver was sick as well. This was just, this was by far the best thing on the show tonight. And the only thing that kind of was a little bit of a bummer was they led off with this and and Nate this is like the your inverted show idea playing off here and I I really enjoyed it yeah I came in not very interested in the match and certainly not very interested in Sammy being the TNT champion again just because I didn't know I'm still not sure what you can really do with that but we'll see hopefully they get behind him instead this time and uh, rather than what they did the first time he was champion uh, but they did, and I'm super over ladder matches, just like very tired of, of ladder matches, but they actually did some cool stuff that was fun to see in a ladder match. It was, I think, Nate, I believe you tweeted it's, that it's actually kind of novel to have a one-on-one ladder match instead of... Not only did I tweet it, Aaron, I said it about five minutes ago. Okay, well, I just wanted you, to... You might have been looking at your notifications. I just wanted to give reference to your tweet at the everything AEW account. But that's that was like that did add a little bit of interest that probably I wouldn't have had otherwise. And then certainly like the onto the what are they called? The things that put together the uh the ladder. That was yeah, a cool I, said, I think I said uh the innards is what I said maybe. Innards. That's a cool spot. Sammy almost dying. That was a cool spot. So yeah, in the end they they fucking won me over. So uh, I can't say anything but that it was good, and it definitely was the best thing on the show. All right, Mike, uh, your pick, bud. What was your elite pick from this week? So for 110 minutes, I thought I was going to pick Tony Schiavone because I thought that his lines and his one-liners that he had throughout the show, I thought he had like a – he was uh, hitting four home runs in a night. But the fact that they found the right spot to debut – Dan Housen and the response that Dan Housen got on a show that was at least on my feed, the crowds seemed kind of up and down on there. Were some, there are certain things that the crowd just outright died at and Dan Housen here, because here's the thing is Dan Housen for me. No, is Dan Housen arguably for a lot of people who listen to this podcast? Probably not, but he is going to be like, I, I forgot who said this. Uh, I forgot who said this, and I apologize. Whoever it is, let me know, and I'll make sure to attribute them. But having him as like a soccer Chikawa like figure in this company, also with a guy who just is a clout demon, is just a it's just a win across the board, and it's something that I have to say 
well when like i think about this show i will think about the ladder match first and be like oh yeah they debuted danhausen in the middle of a lights out match and that was wild somebody beat you to a stalker ichigawa reference mike i know it's legitimately surprising the best someone beat me talking about the best comedy wrestler of all time but it just is something that it, it works and with how this company operates it makes perfect sense to bring in Danhausen, and the merch machine will go burr with him. And will he be on TV a lot for people who are worried about it? Probably not. Just there to really make Austin Gunn's life a living hell. But is he going to be like all over the YouTube content and the vlogs and everything like that? Yeah. And I think that that kind of appeals to the people who are Danhausen's big fans. Yeah, I do like that they have some flexibility to you know, as contracts are coming up or whatever, they can take a flyer on a new guy who seems to have a following and has gotten over other places. And that's the thing that most informs if they think uh, somebody will get over in this company and they'll say, all right, let's give this Dan housing guy a try. Uh, I think that's a good quality to have in a wrestling promotion. Uh, the, there was a promo earlier in the show with private party, you know, talking to Jurassic express and, Christian and Matt Hardy both actually, I think, referred to the gun club as the ass boys, and it got a big reaction. So I was like, oh, okay, people have been seeing the ass boys stuff that Danhausen is doing. Uh, so that kind of surprised me a little bit. Like, I knew he was very popular on Twitter, or whatever, but you never really know how that translates to a real, uh, you know, money, money spending audience. Um, but yeah, they, he got a big reaction when he came out here as well. Uh, it seems like he is. You know, he's always at these signings. He's always at like these PWTs events. So it seems like he's kind of tied into the uh, PWT Chicago scene anyway. Um, so, you know, you wonder, hey, you know, he, I think he's been injured. Maybe they're, you know, bringing him in as like a, a guy to also have an office job on the merch side. Maybe he's doing, you know, vlog and video production stuff like Brandon Cutler. Um, you know, all might be in his wheelhouse. So. Yeah, you know, give him a try. Um, you know, I, you know, don't dedicate, you know, 20 minute promo segments to him on your television. I'm not worried about that happening either. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, not a bad guy to take a flyer on. I have no thoughts on Danhausen. People were excited about it. The Discord went wild. Uh, a lot of our listener elites were about. Uh, Danhausen. We got Chelsea Elite Danhausen. Vote UJ Elite. Love that Danhausen. I mean, lots of love for Danhausen. So I don't know. I, I've literally never seen the guy move in in like moving pictures <laughs> before. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, Renee Paquette. I saw had a you know said great hire TK. I don't know how he got in with all these people but he certainly did uh yeah it just was not on my radar i think i saw him like at a dreamwave show in LaSalle like seven years ago or something maybe uh and he was just like doing like a kind of an emo guy with a chest tattoo thing this was before he turned into the whole Sven Gulli guy that he kind of does now um and then yeah at some point he did like a turn and started shooting his own video promos or whatever uh, and I remember AAW started booking him because, you know, he was like, hey, here's a guy who never gave up and started doing his own thing. Uh, and, you know, uh, we like to see people working on their craft or whatever. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I certainly haven't seen him recently enough to know if he's any good. 
But, uh, you know, there's a limit to how much I care if you're any good, if you're over. We'll see how it goes. Uh, my, there just wasn't a lot I liked from the show, so I'm going to put the listener elite uh, with my elite. So listener elite, uh, our friend Suit Williams, who was recently a guest on the Patreon, by the way. Um, so go check that out. Uh, Suit says, elite Team Taz's wardrobe department. And yes, I wanted to put over uh powerhouse hobbs's coat on the uh the beach there <laughs> in cleveland uh ricky also uh was looking uh very slick so uh, a good look for both the guys in in team test yeah hobbs looked incredible they gotta put the gas down on hobbs they gotta put the pedal down on hobbs um because i'm starting to get restless with how little they use them and, and the spots in which they use them, uh, which which we've talked about, you and Sue talked about also. Uh, but yeah, Hobbs is bursting off the screen, superstar charisma in that segment. Uh, looked like, you know, a fucking superstar NFL player from the late 70s. Uh, they got to get him in the TNT title pictures. And there's something for Sammy to do is, you know, legitimize Hobbs as a title contender uh, and, you know, probably have great matches with him. It's something that Team Taz has kind of always had this ability, and it, and it's something that I feel like has actually come out more since Brian Cage is no longer in the act. They are like the coolest group. Like like you just like see them at the lake, and I'm looking at the photo of Hobbs and Starks, and Starks is wearing a full on like sea like ski. I don't know what you call it, like onesie jumpsuit and goggles and he looks cool as hell and you have hobbs there sunglasses overalls a fur coat and you just like look at these guys you're like why aren't these guys like owning the world right now because they they just come off like their promos are all great you have hook in the act and you y'all have noticed they've kind of separated hook out from starks and hobbs right like they like so they have this two or really four really distinctly cool acts and they're all great in the ring and it's something that you know i can't say i'm interested at all about ricky starks versus jay lethal but whenever ricky starks is on screen i'm i'm drawn to him i think he's a very strong wrestler and then hobbs yeah no i mean he just oozes charisma and it's just like why not go with him because he just he comes off like completely distinct in his own kind of star with his own style and it's awesome yeah, it's we say this all the time about Team Taz, and I don't mean to put a negative end on the on the elite section here, but they've they've separated Hook now because Hook is like so over and like received as such a baby face that it's like, well, we can't tie him up with this heel act of Team Taz. Uh and Team Taz kind of never gets out of first position in all their feuds, even though all these guys are so fucking cool. And I don't know what it is, but a Jay Lethal program isn't going to, you know, help them set them on fire or anything. Um, and, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of the same promos over and over again, back and forth, where, you know, Taz says the same thing at the guy, and then there's an interruption and a beatdown. And uh, it's just not, they're not executing to the level of their potential. And it's just the way that their stories are designed and laid out for whatever reason. Um, so they got, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe even get him away from Taz. Maybe it should just be Ricky and Hobbs as an act, and then Taz and Hook as an act. I don't know. I mean, not that Taz is a bad part of the act, 
It, but just Team Taz stories never end up satisfying me. I don't know. They could just accept that Ricky and Hobbs are cool and let them get some of the cool hook rub and uh, elevate everyone in the at the same time. Yeah. That would also be a be an idea. I mean, Taz, Taz right. should be like not a every week presence for these guys, especially if he's doing commentary also. Because um, I don't know, this this popped a little more. I mean, the outfits for one made it pop, uh, but also just, you know, no Taz. And they, they didn't shoot it in some abandoned area of the arena. They went out and shot it on the beach and it just popped that much more for that reason. Um, so I think that's something to to take as a lesson that it worked better here. Taz should be like, the godfather of this group and only show up and do something once every four months or something. And he should have a equally dope outfit when he does. Chelsea tells us that uh, in the YouTube chat that what Ricky was wearing is called a powder suit. Powder suit. Taking a powder. Sure. That's right. Uh, I guess Cody, not the only one. Uh, using powder on the show. I don't know. I didn't really put it put that together. Apologize to everyone. It worked. You know. I don't know. I it didn't came together it. in the end. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about what we didn't like. I suppose. So, uh, Nate, what was your least favorite thing from the show? What's your delete pick? Uh, yeah. You know, I thought a pretty strong show. It did peak early, but uh, that carried me through a lot of the first. Uh, I don't know, 90 minutes or something. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the promo battle, uh, but not that was not by far the promo that bothered me most on this show because uh, at least it was, you know, booking a match and building a match. Whereas they just had Britt Baker come out here and do cheap sports team heel heat for way too long. Uh, it didn't build to anything. I don't, I think they wanted to do it because, you know, she has a, a connection to Cleveland, of course, that we've heard about. I don't know if you guys heard about she would do this commute back and forth, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Um, and then, yeah, I think one of her first successful like heel promos was maybe in Cleveland also. So they wanted to have her on this show. They didn't they don't have a program for her or something. There was no rebel. There was no Jamie. There was no next contender. So they just had her come out in Steelers gear and cut a your sports team sucks promo and then leave. Uh, and I don't know. It, it, it also kind of worked against her because she came out and started talking shit about the Browns or whatever. And then the crowd just got enraptured with doing their own football chants and shit. So they totally disconnected from the promo. I, you know, certainly two years ago, if she got this crowd reaction, I think she would have been like, totally thrown off and shaken uh, and it would have like tanked her confidence. Uh, so you can totally see the growth here because all these people were doing this football shit behind her that had, you know, no moment to moment connection to what she was sh saying. Uh, but she still like, you know, cut a very confident promo to camera uh, about her, about her heel stuff and how the sports teams are doing the sports. Um, but it just felt like a waste of time mostly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it, it it's something where 
they gave the main event so much time and maybe it was like oh we have a specific time cues that we're hitting for the main event so keep on just bearing the cleveland browns but it's something where like she made a big deal about like oh i haven't really talked on the microphone in the ring for a while and then she just achieved uh sports team heat and it just didn't really accomplish anything other than look at my awards look at what i've done here I've got the uh, terrible towel with me. And it, it's something that, I mean, the crowd bit on it. The crowd was game to play along with it. It just was something that, and, and I feel like that a lot of the stuff on the show, at least for the stuff I didn't like, I, I, I kind of came to a conclusion of what did this accomplish? And Nate, you're right. This accomplished nothing. This accomplished like cheap heat and maybe showing her growth not being shaken by a crowd doing that. And it just not really... It just didn't connect, and it's just, it was something that, at this point, coming off of a very, at least for the show, controversial promo, it, it was something where I was like, what's the point about this? And it just didn't work. So, yeah, I totally get why you deleted that. I'll tell you what I want to delete about this very same segment. We got fucking PWI awards. We've got Inside the Ropes or some bullshit awards. Not a single fucking mention of Britt Baker being a double Everything Elite Award winner in 2021. Uh, she was part of our women's match of the year with Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, the Lights Out match. And she won Women's Wrestler of the Year here on the Everything Elite Awards. Where were those? Next year, do we need to get a, a plaque made and send it? I think I, I've got a guy. I've got a guy. We can I think that's paid. really honestly, if if they had a plaque, I mean, they they had that whole table and only three things sitting on it. It looked a little sparse. I mean, you know, three things is is a significant amount of, of awards, but you had all that table space. I I don't know that they would put it on TV, <laughs> but certainly if we don't send them a plaque, they're not. They can't put it on TV because they don't have anything. Do we want to do plaques, though? That is the question. Well, I think we'd have to get a quote. We'd have to get a quote on some plaques to, to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, because we could do plaques. We could do trophies. We could do medals. I mean, we, we, I, I've got to talk to my guy. I, I've, got, I've got an award guy that we could be using. So we'll see. We'll I, would see. Say, I would say plaques. Um, I, the, the No Dunks podcast was talking about getting a billboard recently. Maybe we could get a billboard next time. Oh, so I like, like this. Surprisingly Ooh. reasonable rates on a billboard. <laughs> yeah. We have to get billboards all along the route from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll be a batch buy, so they're going to give us a discount. Yeah. Yeah. And we I mean, only no, have to do it. We just do it the one week that they're in Cleveland right. or Pittsburgh. So we're not, you know, buying on for months here. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I think this is totally doable. I mean, the one thing is we, uh, we're going to want to have different graphics. So there is time and labor that's going to be going into this. Like if we did one graphic the same time, like there is a terrible tourist trap at the border of South Carolina and North Carolina called South of the border it is very offensive, but they have different signs every single time. And they have signs like every five exits. Nate's nodding. Like he's seen signs for South of the border. So no, <laughs> it, 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 it's a famous kind of Carolina tourist trap. So we have to decide, like, if we want to go cost saving, we have to get one really good billboard and just do it 10 times. Or are we going to duplicate it and not duplicate it? Or are we going to, like, shake it up so we're not duplicated? Yeah. 
Well, we need a graphics person also because I I did the graphics for the awards and they're pretty amateurish. Um, <laughs> I kind of I just you know gave up on trying to do consistent text uh, layout on them uh, and just like because I was trying to move them around the colors in the photo. Also, I, not actually making any any art at all. I'm just putting shit over a photo that I stole from Google Images. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I don't know. There's some other podcasts that have people that make the art for them and we have nobody's volunteered for us i mean we talked about this on light today oh we need fan art i need fan art of me saying the gestation time of an infant the understood so, gestation right. time of an infant the understood sorry the understood <laughs> gestation time of an infant. fan art of uh native new yorker baby model mike spears <laughs> I, I think people yes. are confusing a storyline in King of the Hill as my life. King of the Hill does imitate life in Dallas Fort Worth very well, but not to that extent. Um, look, I, uh, all I can be is 1986's Mountain Heritage Most Beautiful Baby, and there's uh, nothing else I can be in this life. All right, Mike, what's your delete pick? Well, as a... As a former infant model, I, you know, it, I, I can be kind of fussy. You know, I can be kind of picky here. And my delete, I, I, I could go for the cheap one saying Wardlow not turning in his hometown. But I, I, I we talked about this earlier today, Aaron. I felt like this is going to happen tomorrow or next week in Chicago. Straight, straight to jail. Straight, yep, yep. So I think uh, Red Velvet versus Layla Hirsch for a program they've kind of built up. Uh, the match wasn't great, and it just kind of existed for Chris to do the save. And it was at a point in the show where I was kind of not necessarily in the mood that Aaron was in, but I was kind of zoning out at that point. And the match just like it, it's something Red Velvet where she usually steps out of the plate, but it's something that you know their camera time, the camera work sometimes fails them. And I felt like that that hurt them a little bit. And the match just seemed like they were a little bit on different pages. I wasn't too into that at all. Yeah, I, I this kind of cemented what I said about this story, I don't know, last week or the week before, um, which is that I just don't think it's necessary to be doing a, a story at this point with, with Layla Hirsch where she has to do this, you know, backstage acting uh, about, oh, I'm turning on my friends now, this friendship that was never established in any meaningful way. Now I'm turning on them for whatever reasons uh and then you know has to have to go out and do like a heated grudge match uh with red velvet who has also never been in this spot before um i just don't think it's it's going the the best case scenario for that is not super high so i think they should just have been focusing on you know getting layla more reps um, you know, she's pretty good in the ring and it's like, well, you know, let the, let the fans and audience come to her, their investment in her kind of naturally, you know, let her get some reps in, have some TV wins or whatever, where the fans start to go, Oh, you know, she's pretty good. Oh, you know, she's winning some matches. Maybe I care about her now. Uh, but it said like the first time we're supposed to care about her is I'm turning on my friends that you've never seen me be friends with before. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so, yeah, you didn't have fan buy-in to the match, really. Um, you know, they had some nice exchanges, had some nice uh, reversals and um, 
you know, uh, uh, the technical exchange with the pin reversal at the end looked pretty good. Um, also, yeah, the the thing that, I mean, they do this in a lot of matches that just never works for me, ripping off somebody's tape, like, oh, this magical tape that heals you, I'm going to take it off, and now you're vulnerable. That's goofy. <laughs> uh, Red Velvet was selling everyone like she was getting waxed. She's like, oh, you ripped off my tape. That was silly. So, yeah, this, uh, this was not a, a strong point of the show. You guys remember, what was it? Uh, Carrie, what was her? Carrie Walsh and Misty May Trainer. Yes, the yes, U.S. The... Beach Volleyball team. Sure. That, when I think of, when I see KT tape, that's the first thing I think of. I, I feel like they were early in the KT tape game. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that's the first time I saw it too, was beach volleyball at like the 2008 Olympics. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, but it's just, it's how it is uh, just sat there in my mind is with, uh, with those two. It's funny how Olympic athletes become like, oh, extremely famous in this one very specific context where like you would pass either of those women on the street and never know it and never know anything else about them. But like <laughs> hundreds of millions of people in the country know them by name because of what they did on this one sporting event eight years ago or whatever. That's weird. Well, in fairness, Nate, I mean, they dominated for like four straight Olympics. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, they but, were. Yeah, you know, if I pass them on the street, I might go like, "Oh, that woman was pretty tall." <laughs> right. Be it. Right. But yeah, definitely hard to uh, hard to remember from like a sport like that. It's not like I mean, I don't know. They became they got a lot of shine, but it wasn't like you know your your Michael Phelps or um, uh, other people in the Olympics. Simone yeah. Biles. If you saw her, you'd recognize her. She's like four feet yes. tall. But even like, you know, Michael Phelps, like extremely famous. Like, I don't know what six straight Olympics or something obscene. <laughs> That's too long. Maybe yeah, four I straight Olympics. So. No, I, no, I think you were right. Six straight Olympics. Yeah. yeah okay. That, wow. It's such a yeah. long time. He debuted like in 2004. Yeah. And um, was like a teenager and like his age fell in like range that he would be like in a lot of Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know what? I mean, for those two-week periods of every Olympics, like the most famous person in the United States and among the most famous people in the world. And then, you know, as soon as that's over, you never think about him again. Yeah, that's true. Olympics. I'm trying to count how many Olympics he did. He would, he, he definitely did Athens. I don't think he did Sydney. No, he, he, didn't make that it, one. he didn't make it to 2020, so he made... He started in 2000. Oh, eight. Oh, 2000. Yeah. Was he in Sydney? So, so five. Yeah, five. five okay. I mean, I, it's the same thing as Dustin Rhodes being wrestling in five decades, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's Basically. what it is. I've always thought it's so fucked up about the Olympics that like, because it's every four years. If you are like, you know, let's say you're whatever age, right before, you know, the first time you would have gone to the Olympics and then like in gymnastics, for example, you know, you're like. 16 one year and you're in the olympics so by the time you're 20 you're too fucking old you know you're like not going to be able to do gymnastics anymore so unless you're like the top of the fucking food chain right and, and then you have like soccer you're only allowed so many players above the age of 23 i didn't know that i did not know that real Weird. soccer guy here yeah. yeah uh okay i think it's my turn 
nobody picked the um nay you liked it but uh mike you didn't pick the uh the promos the cody and mjf promos I, i'm not uh, gonna take your thunder man come on punk and mjf what did i say cody oh no cody was uh was good on this show i mean here's the thing about it i just think it's boring i just don't enjoy it i haven't been interested in the feud like nothing about the story has been compelling to where i'm like oh gotta see these two guys wrestle and i i went into it thinking it would be compelling from the standpoint of everybody talks about what a great promo mjf is and i thought well punk's going to show that that's a lie you know he's just going to prove that mjf is actually not that good at promos but punk has not been on top of his game during this feud he has done very uninspired promos and they i just feel like they haven't agreed on a story that is interesting or even even if it's uninteresting i just i'm not sure they've agreed on a story period of like what is going on like what's the through line from the first time to the last time so my main thing is i just don't like it and if other people like it that's fine i just don't but let me say this friend of the show Rover <laughs> quote tweeted me. He said, well, it's very good. And it's done very good ratings. Well, of course, you know, he, uh, he has to be conscious of his frequent, uh, replier and follower MJF seeing that. Well, of course. I mean, I understand that, but, but Rover, that's just not true. My man, I don't know if the ratings are different in, in Ireland. I have no idea. Maybe they are. If they are DM me, uh, the Irish ratings. I would love to, you know, be the fucking Brandon Thurston of Irish ratings. I, mean, I would love that. I well, I would be more like the this is nasty of Irish ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure it drops two days before uh, saying it, it's fast nationals. Yeah, fucking yeah, Bentley leaking the Irish fast nationals again. This guy's <laughs> this guy's grinding a, an axe. And everyone in Ireland is white, so this would like this is a really good analogy, I think. Okay, but I just, I'll talk about it briefly because we're not, we don't do like a lot of ratings talk on the show. So I'll say this. I pulled all the quarter hours from Brandon Thurston's Twitter account. I'm missing a couple, so I don't know if Brandon didn't put them out or if I just missed them. But December 8th, I think, is when this all started. And uh, they started the show with Punk. And people loved it because it, and this was, I hated this one, but people loved this one. The rating went up in the second quarter as this was still going on. Uh, the next one that Brandon has is December 22. So I missed a couple. I'm not sure what happened in those others. Uh, this is also a successful uh, segment, but it is the Punk, Darby, and Sting versus MJF and, and FTR match. So that did well. And Greensboro. Yes, that's in Greensboro. Every time since then, the quarter involving Punk and MJF has dropped from the quarter before it, every time. And in the last two weeks, not only has it dropped from the quarter before it, but the next quarter has dropped. So there's just no evidence that people are interested in this feud. They were at the beginning. I think that's clear. But now it has uh, become long in the tooth, like the promos always do. and. People are are tuned literally tuning out when this shit is on. 
I just, it stuns me. When I watch this, and I didn't see a lot of tweets on the timeline like, oh, this shit fucking rocks. But then, so when I tweeted, I think the feud's been awful. I hope it's over next week. I literally did not expect that people would get very mad at me because it's like, they just talked at each other for 20 minutes. It was like, there was nothing interesting about this. So I'm like stunned that people liked it, but it's fine if you did. I didn't, but <laughs> read the fucking numbers, folks. I'm pointing at my phone where the screenshots of Brandon Howard. <laughs> people are turning this shit off. That's uh, that's curious. I, I think you've previously said that quarter hours are for perverts, but I guess that's not out of character. You've admitted to being a pervert on the show, so I guess that's that's right in line with with what we expect. Um, I do, I, I do agree with you that they haven't centered and focused on one story that they're both kind of working at. Uh, I think week to week, they've kind of been a little scattershot about that. I think part of that is probably they're trying to adjust to what's working and what's uh, not working so much. Um, but also, yeah, they all these segments kind of have the same flaw, which is that by necessity, I guess, because that's his character, like every one of them has to start with like six minutes of MJF doing cheap heat about the town. Uh, and then Punk has to do his cheap baby face pops about the town. That's really what annoys me most about them kind of is that, I mean, it, the Punk did it on the very first show back in Chicago, but it's like nothing tougher than facing CM Punk in Chicago because Chicago's tough like me. Like that's so corny to me. It's the corniest fucking thing on planet earth. Like, Oh, it's good. Our sports teams have the blue collar work ethic. We're unlike every other city on the East fucking coast, even though all of these, you know, mythologies about our cities are all exactly the same between all of them. It's stupid and I hate it. Um, but that's, you know, that's like the gravest sin of these really is putting punk into that, like that corny baby face pop mode. Uh, but MJF, you know, he's a cheap Pete elemental. He was born and raised on cheap Pete about sports teams. So that's, that's true to his character. So that doesn't, bother me really but yeah i don't know the, the, this one i thought was pretty successful in that you know he got to some truths about cm punk that haven't really been uh uh you know central to the focus of his previous promos like this was definitely a, a better vein to tap than the pg punk stuff where it's like oh you're so pg uh on the show where you actually like swear and shit um that never really worked. But here he's like, oh, you know, you take your ball and go home. This stuff, you know, th there's another side to you that people don't see where you take off your fake smile and, you know, uh, are pissed off because you didn't get what you want. I mean, that just reminded me, honestly, of the, the This Is CM Punk show that you did with Case, Aaron, where it's like, yeah, we all know that there's a darker side to CM Punk uh, and there's going to be a point where things go bad with CM Punk or whatever. So, you know, MJF honed in on that, which I thought was positive. Um, so, yeah, I... I that first segment that started the feud, I agree, was like pretty rough. And all the promo battles are, uh, you know, a little bit too long. But I think the last couple that they've done and the matches that they've done in this feud have, I think, all really come together and been working. I thought this was pretty successful. The Wardlow match was successful. The Stings match where they had the three Stings and he was chasing MJF up and down the arena, which he referenced. That was successful. The Sean Spears segment was successful. So I think they've hit more more than they've missed recently. Um, and so I can't say that it's bad. And 
I mean, the crowd is super into it. Uh, I mean, you know, the crowd is not getting this match. The crowd knows they're not getting this match. The crowd knows that MGF is baiting them when he says, oh, you guys really want to see this match? And they're still playing along going, yeah, we really want to see the match. So I think the match is genuinely hot with most people. Um, And I think that makes it a, a success for what they're setting out to do here. So I think I know why everything has kind of slipped ratings-wise, Aaron. Please, tell. does this have to do with Bobby Fish? No, 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 no. And he's still sending these threats, man. I'm sorry. This is, this is just getting obscene at this point. But uh, it's because, like, the stuff that worked in this feud has been very focused. Like, when they started off, it's like, oh, we're going to eventually collide for the title. Well, like we both want the titles and we're in the rankings and it's going to matter there. And then you had the Sean Spear. Uh, then you yeah, had Sean Spear. Sorry. Then you, then you had the captain Sean Dean and match of MJF. That same that came out. Too. Yeah. But you know why that was good, Nate? Because it built off of something that they built up about like, oh, we're going to go for titles here and we're going to have to collide because both of us want this. And he immediately suffered his first loss of a long time, MJF, to Sean Dean. Like that worked fantastically like, like that right there and then now they just talk at each other and it's like at a point where it's it, as soon as i saw on the schedule and maybe this is a me thing maybe this is me thing as soon as i saw how soon a chicago show was coming up my mind went like all right they're having that match in chicago like aaron i think we said that on light i said that in light a couple weeks ago it's like oh yeah no they're going to be in chicago soon so that's when they'll do this match and you know, like, what have they really done to build towards that, to this match in Chicago over the last few weeks? Just talking at each other and, like, CM Punk running through the gauntlet and the things that talking at each other, what has it done to really build up interest? Like, like there's been, like, nothing at stake here because they've said since the beginning, we're going to have to face off to see who's going to be in the title change. And that's not to mention, like, the weird things about Roddy Piper and Portland and things like this. It's just, like, it, it's clear that the promos have gotten to a point where... They're trying to grab onto stuff to make these promos work because they have to talk for so, so long. Uh, with uh, MJF being the cheap heat elemental, that works best in short bursts, not 20 minutes. So when he's trying to hold up his end of it, and Punk, you have Punk playing the Saturday Night Live host. And for me, that's just, at a point, very boring. And especially when they've done it now every other week since December. So I'm just ready for this to be over with. Yeah, I mean, I do think the... The promo battles are too long. But, you know, they've been building this match week by week, and that's why people want to see it. He ran through the gauntlet of his of his goons. He stole his scarf. He's fucking with his win-loss record and preventing him from getting a, a title shot. So he's doing all these things to make him wrestle them. Uh, you know, now was the writing on the wall that it's going to be in Chicago? Yeah, pretty much was. But, I mean, that's like as classic a pro wrestling story as you can tell, is that he's, you know, beating up all his underlings. He's stealing his shit. He's fucking with his money. Um, you know, to force him to give him a match. So now we're, now we're there. And hey, uh, I think these guys could have a really good match together. Oh, I, I'm ready for that match because MJF is sneaky, one of the best workers in the company, and I think it plays into CM Punk's playbook, but they've just not done anything on screen to make me want that match more. I think uh, Rovert owes us a retweet on this episode after it goes up at this point. I mean, we've said his name 30 times, which is twice as often as we usually do. We only say it, you know, five or six times usually. Um, and, you know, he, he's the one that blew up your, your tweet here. So I think he owes us a retweet. Uh, this is the part 
in the uh, pipe bomb promo where I look at the camera and I say, hi, Trevor. Give us, give us the retweet, man. Come on. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the match definitely has a chance to be very good. Absolutely. I wouldn't count that out of being a possibility. It's just a, a bummer that when you sell a feud as like, oh, these are the two fucking best talkers in the world. It's like, well, then talk me into the match. Like, if you are, then do it. And, and they haven't. So it's just a disappointment from that perspective. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, you're like, you know, the company hasn't said that. The company hasn't said, these are the two best talkers. I mean, I guess they have with how they're laying out these segments. But that is, that's like the bully rays of the world that are like, oh, these are the two best guys on the mic ever here on Busted Open Radio. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's you know, the discourse of wrestling Twitter or Twitter larger, I think, is kind of also coloring our perception of this. I think Tony Khan literally did a tweet about, after the first one about them being like, oh, yeah, we put on this great segment with these did the two, two, I don't know if he said the that, two best talkers in the world. Right. But I, I would definitely believe I'm that for like him, that. yes. <laughs> All right. Listener delete. Um, I want to hit something that we haven't talked about yet on the show. So uh, our listener delete is from Grinder. I think I I think Grinder made it last week, but, you know. Uh, what I'm what I'm doing now is instead of picking these out before the show, I just kind of see how our elite and delete sections go, and I try to find one to you know hit the next thing that I that I want to talk about. So I'm using you all. I'm sorry. Uh, Grinder delete bloodless lights out match. He was bleeding from the hand, <laughs> and it played into this the story of the match uh, in a big way. I mean, the, you know, the lights out match, this was like, they totally tipped their hand that it's like, oh, we're doing this because we want to beat Adam Cole, but we don't want to give him a loss. So we're going to give him, give Orange right. Cassidy a fake win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they overdo these gimmicks. I, I, I just put over the ladder match uh, and I'm also tired of ladder matches, but you know, they have a big plundered, ridiculous brawl thing on, on every single show. So it just like it hit the marks without having like a lot of like violent stuff. So, I mean, I guess that's good for them. I mean, other than, you know, jumping off the stage through that, which I thought it was funny how, uh, orange Cassie was very visibly hugging him as like the thing. And I thought like that was very much in orange Cassie's favor for that, but it was all right. I mean, I was still vibing on Dan house and showing up by that point. So at that point I was just like, all right, the Merce machine's going burr. I, yeah, I, mean, I like the match. The match was fine. I, I just agree with Grinder that I, I, I just want blood. Do blood in a lights out. Yeah, match. I mean they, they set the standard pretty high with the first couple lights out matches, and now it's just uh, a plunder match, and they do a plunder match on every show. So, you know, the gimmick is kind of dead now. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I guess that's a delete. We've got a Texas death match coming up even. Right. It's one of their, one of their 16 varieties of death match or, or hardcore match. Cracker barrel clash. <laughs> that's right. But at least the bump at the end of the match was a lot of fun. So I, yeah, I mean, it looked like Adam Cole took it on his fucking neck. He like fully corkscrewed on the way down. And they're doing a Texas death match, but they're doing it in Atlantic city. They should 
what they should do is they should go build a fake casino and have a casino brawl match and destroy the casino. I mean, I know the showboat doesn't have any machines right now, but you know, j- just go destroy shit. That's I mean, you know, kind of remarkable though. The world champ not on your program except for the the pre shoot or whatever. Um, but they have the flexibility to do that and say, hey, you know, you're the world champ. You can just like do this pre shoot and you're done. Uh, and they still have a all the tools there, certainly the entire roster there to pick up the slack when you don't have the world champ on your show. A lot of the big stars, not really. Well, I mean, they had several big stars, but, you know, no, no page. Uh, Moxley wasn't on the show. Uh, the Young Bucks, I mean, they showed up in the last match, but, you know, they weren't. Um, yeah, I don't think they, I don't know if they were announced. Yeah, it, right. They weren't advertised. No, they weren't. And yeah. So, yeah, a lot of your bigger stars didn't really have a lot to do on the show. Okay, and, and no Kyle also, O'Reilly at the end. No, that's Kyle. true. It, it's interesting with like I know with like Matt getting COVID that they held off the Bucks, but it feels like that the Bucks have not done a whole lot in a while. It feels like that it was maybe the best friends match that they had was probably the last time they were on had an actual match. I'm not I'm not playing. Well, they were supposed to have the Rapongi Vice match right. within the COVID thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rocky showing up to, again tonight All right, well he, he's on the matt jackson beat COVID in two days thing yeah that's a yikes right because he tested positive like the day of the show last week right i don't know <laughs> i, I did, mean he was pulled from gw though, the so. day of and that was on sunday he wasn't on that show was he he was supposed to face uh the guy hey uh blake christian no no that was gresham oh he I was pretty certain Rocky Romero was on. Was supposed to be on that Hammerstein show. Okay, no, I'm wasn't. just then. Then I'm just losing You've made it. that up. You made that yeah. up. Hey, it's okay. All right, let's get into the rest of Dynamite. Uh, as we said, it kicked off with the TNT unification match with Sammy winning. Uh, you know, shockingly, as I wrote here, by grabbing the belts while standing on the ladder. That's how the match. That's how this ladder match finished, folks. Then we had. Ricky Starks of Powerhouse Hobbs outside with Tony. Hobbs uh, challenged Dante. Starks challenged Jay Lethal for the FTW title. And we had Wardlow versus Elijah Dean and James Alexander. Or as uh, my friend Rob said in the text, Wardlow versus... How did he say it? it was, the joke was basically like <laughs> Wardlow split up into, into two people. <laughs> but I can't, he was funnier the way he worded it, though. Sorry, Rob. I fucked that up. <laughs> that was and, amazing. And, <laughs> I can only do my own jokes. And, and it was Dean and Alexander, not Nightmare Factory student and dark jobber Dean Alexander. I'm sorry. Rob yeah, says is- this match looks like Wardlow has been split into two smaller wrestlers. Great joke, Rob. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Aaron for doing you justice here on the show. Uh, yeah, this was—I mean, you know—I think I said maybe week one of Wardlow being here that he should just be Scott Norton and he should just power bomb everybody into oblivion. Uh, and now they're—you know—they've been doing that for a few weeks, and now they're up on the ante. Now he's also Ryback, in addition to being Batista, because he's got the Batista charisma. Uh, so that's great. You know, just squash two guys, kill jobbers. Um, you know, he's going to be big over whenever he turns. Um, I even liked when he did the powerbomb on Punk later, he like did a half-hearted powerbomb, which was kind of funny. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it, but I'm not happy about it. So, uh, you know, they can still play this out. They, they don't have to 
to rush this Wardlow turn, but when they do, it's going to be sweet. Yeah, and we had JR even dropping like, oh, this guy's going to be at the top of AEW before long. And it's like, okay, good. They're actually, they seem to be genuinely getting behind uh, Wardlow. So that's good. I liked how much the crowd, I mean, like he's in his hometown, like there was Wardlow sections. And I think that's something that, they, that every AEW crowd should have a Wardlow section. And I think that that was really neat. All I ever want is for uh, a nice young woman to say to me, Welcome home, War Daddy. <laughs> what a great fucking sign. I just loved that. Oh, was that a sign? Yes. yes. Yeah. I think you made that tweet and I was like, okay, Aaron's just being weird. <laughs> did, you, did you see the sign uh, that just said, like Mussolini? No. They showed it when Punk came out, and it was just a white sign, black text, like Mussolini. Oh, like from cult from cult of personality. Yeah, cold turkey personality. Yeah, that was weird. That was. I also liked when Adam Cole came out, and they showed the sign that said "Adam Cole is my hall pass," which is like whatever as a sign, but funny that the director chose that sign to to highlight on television. Yeah, that is a choice. Yeah, the Welcome Home War Daddy was in, I think it was three separate uh, signs, and they were yeah, it all was. on the hard cam side <laughs> during the War <laughs> match. They were, and they were black signs, and the, the writing was in white. It was sick as fuck. So the next time <laughs> you're going to go to AEW, you're going to have a sign that's going to say, Work at home, Welcome Home War Daddy. And hopefully he shows up for that, match, that, well, after- that show. After All Out, I ran into Wardlow as we were walking back to our car. Like he he and I don't know who he was with, but they were walking and I was like, oh, hey, Wardlow. And he just like totally fucking no sold me. So next time I run into Wardlow outside of the Sears Arena, the Sears Center, I'm going to say, what up, War Daddy? And see if that gets uh, a better reaction. (laughs) I I think you should like the Lishmo t-shirt. You need to have like a War Daddy t-shirt made for that time. <laughs> okay, sure. You sold me on it. <laughs> All right. Didn't take we much had... convincing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you really worked me over there. Chris Jericho, Santana and Ortiz versus Daniel Garcia in 2.0. Santana pinned Matt, I think. I don't know what their names are. Yeah. Yeah. After, it was Matt Lee. After a spike pile driver and a Jericho Judas effect. The idea here was Santana and Ortiz didn't want to tag in Jericho. Uh, but Jericho flipped the script by deciding that he was going to show them that they actually did need him to win the match. Yeah. And after the match, he left without them. He flipped the script. That's a, that's a positive because they do these unit team dissension things all the time. You know, probably at least once a month, there's a match where there's like, oh, he's, he's being stingy with those tags or, oh, he tagged himself in and now his partner's pissed off. Just very common trope. So seeing Jericho like subvert the trope and be like, hey, you're pissed off at me. Well, fuck you. I'm going to you know, help you win the match anyway. I was like, hey, that's actually novel. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if Chris Jericho had that idea. It's like, hey, this guy has been a babyface in this business for a lot of years. Yes, that's true. How many times have we said it? But just I hope this is really putting Santana and Ortiz in a position where they will get some focus and actually get a push as a tag team. Yeah. 
Well, that certainly they've explicitly said that. So if they don't do it now, then they're doubly dropping the ball because they've, they've, you know, told the audience, Hey, we see this, <laughs> we see this deficiency. We see this problem. We're aware of it. Uh, and now we're booking a story toward it. So yeah, they better do it. Yeah. Tony's explicit comment during this was like, Oh, you know, Santana Ortiz, instead of focusing on the tag titles, they've been having to do whatever Jericho is involved in. Yeah. Okay. Sounds, sounds so, like they're I mean, doing it. And you know, TK is feeding him stuff. Uh, there was a very funny, in the Lights Out match, Orange Cassidy had the, the cup with the thumbtacks in it, and the thumbtacks were on screen for maybe half of a second. And, you know, the commentators never noticed them. And then you heard Tony come back to it, like, well after the spot was over and be like, and if you didn't see it, he had thumbtacks on this cup. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Tony fed him that line because they, they missed it on TV and they missed it on their monitors or whatever. So, you know, he's feeding stuff to him. Um, so, you know, that's, that's another positive promotion is that they take this real thing about Santana Ortiz being on the back burner for a while. And now they can make a story out of it make some hay out of it. And hopefully they, they come out ahead for it. And we had the Lance Archer and Hangman Page pre-tape. You know, as we said earlier, Archer said he wanted a Texas death match and Adam Page accepted. So they will do that match. I, it, It's something that I like these pre-tapes. I, I like Page when he does these pre-tapes a lot. Archer is one of those things that he's a good promo. And then you have Jake and Dan Lambert there because Dan Lambert does not like fake cowboys. And I'm like, man, we're at a point now where I just want to have Archer cut these promos. And, but yeah, I think this match should be a whole lot of fun. I think Archer always is great in these roles and, you know, Paige is a wild man. So this should be sick. Yeah. Archer definitely doesn't need Jake. Uh, but if they're dedicated to him having Jake, then I also, I, I, an improvement on that is him having Jake and Dan. And if he just keeps adding more and more managers, then it'll get better and better. Like Vicky, if he, Jose. If he gets, yeah. Oh, if he takes Jose, if he's got smart Mark Sterling with him, if you just have Archer and like, a fleet of like eight managers and that, you know, each one is an upgrade. Julia Hart. I mean, just everyone just like it. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. But not Vicky. No. All right. Then we had Jurassic Express and Christian backstage along with Matt Hardy and private party. Tony's there. I mean, what this comes down to is Jurassic Express and private party are going to wrestle on rampage. Yeah. Like this. Like private party here, uh, you know, continuing to to develop and, and come along more naturally. Uh, like Matt Hardy made a reference to, you know, my brother. These are the, the hottest up and comers since me and my brother. Uh, and Jungle Boy kind of gave Christian a look like, ooh, Matt and Jeff Hardy, huh? Uh, and also, you know, glad to be proven right about Jungle Boy's natural understated charisma. Just points out, hey, that, that watch is fake. Just, uh, you know, very simple baby face shit. Uh, just seems, you know, doesn't have to do acting in monologues for five minutes. He just uh, gets right to the right to the truth of it. I don't want to talk about this, but I mean, how are how is Private Party the number one ranked tag team? I don't know. You, 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 uh, I presume they win every week on Dark or whatever. They won this week on Dark, yeah. And it's early in the year. Yeah, I just, I don't like it. All right. Uh, then we had the Punk and MJF thing. Oh, we didn't talk about yet that afterwards, uh, the Pinnacle attacked Punk. 
Wardlow was kind of staying to the side, but then MJF told him to powerbomb Punk, and he somewhat reluctantly did so. Yeah, they should have just let Sean Spears brain him with the chair. That would have uh, would have done a lot for the feud. Would have done a lot for Sean Spears. Um, you know, would not have done a lot for CM Punk's long term uh, neurological health, probably. Uh, but you know, sparing use of unprotected chair shots would be useful. Couldn't agree more. Needed we the Nicole- Express right there. That's right. We had uh, an acclaimed pre-tape. Uh, they're mad that uh, John Moxley jumps them before matches. So, and they showed us some footage to prove that this is what has happened in the past. So, Bowens, Anthony Bowens, is going to beat Mox's ass on Rampage. I, I'm stoked for this. I Bowens is such a great, a good wrestler, and I, the acclaimed had a eight-man tag with the Ass Boys on either dark or elevation this week and they had like the best like pre-match stuff i've ever seen so yeah i'm sick i think this will be sick probably will be it's uh man just i mean i didn't know who anthony bowens was before aw obviously but just a very like weird match that is going to happen and i'm very excited about it happening uh, i think that'll be me and nate this weekend talking yep. about rampage yep yeah and then we had Griff Garrison and Julia backstage with Tony. Uh, Smart Mark Sterling interrupted. Uh, Asked how Julia uh, Julia's eye is doing. Uh, says Julia can challenge Jade for the TBS title. Griff, uh, he doesn't love the idea, but he's not going to stop her. Yeah, so she signs the contract. It's official. And Smart Mark Sterling knows contracts. That's right. Okay. Red Velvet versus Layla Hirsch. We talked about that. Layla grabbed the tights. Layla attacked after the match. Chris Statlander made the save. We had a House of Black pre-tape. Pack will be humbled because he denounced the House of Black. And just like death, they are inevitable. Brody King was pretty good here. Yeah, I thought this was a really good segment. Like... I if it wasn't for Dan Housen and Tony Schiavone, this would be my favorite thing of the, of the night, and not because Pack was just tangentially evolved. I thought I I like them together. I feel like that that Brody with uh, I think Brody with Malachi Black kind of evens out the 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 goop, and I think that that works out really well. And I think that tag match is going to be a lot of fun on Wednesday. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that tag match. Uh, then we had the Brit promo. Uh, Nyla uh, was suddenly on the ramp with Vicky. It really seemed to be a fuck up in that they interrupted the Rampage match announcements and then they went back to the Rampage match announcements after it was over. I don't know if that was funny. Uh, She wants Ruby Soho next week. They didn't tell us if that's happening next week, but uh, that's what she wants to happen. And we close out the show with the lights out. Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. Um, Orange Cassidy won after putting Cole through a table from up very high. He hugged him through the table. Like, like, let's be clear. It was a hug slash side effect. That's true. He did. That was Dynamite for this week. So there you go. If you enjoy our show, head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Sign up, subscribe. Uh, We have lots of good stuff over there. We have 
uh, light where we preview dynamite, talk about dark and elevation world tour. We talk about rampage, as we said, uh, Nate and I will be talking about rampage this weekend. So we have that, uh, for our lovely patrons to look forward to. We got a discord that it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've been working on, I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge dumbass. And so I'm preparing, there's going to be a, this is sting episode. Usually what I do is I pick five matches or Mike picks five, you know, somehow we work together to pick five matches and then we watch them. I have watched approximately 45 sting matches at this point. Uh, I'm up to crow sting. I just, the last match I watched was the Starcade 97 match with sting and Hogan. So uh, I will eventually be done watching matches and then I'll pick some number of them and, and we'll do a podcast about it, but that's coming your way. So be very excited. The five-part series this is thing. <laughs> I have, I mean, I've got stuff from fucking Memphis of Stings. I got stuff from uh, UWF all the way to, we're going to talk TNA Sting. I think we're even going to talk WWE Sting. So it's going to be, it's going to be wild. That should be a lot of fun. I, I'm looking forward to see what matches you pick for that. Well, I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, and. Uh, Mike, you have on here that you're planning a, a tea break for soon. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm not going to reveal the subject yet, but it is when, when the time comes and the time will be very clear when it comes, expect a tea break. I'm expecting it probably in February, but it's something that certain things that have been talked about need to finally actually happen before I do it. And yeah. So head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite uh, rampage this weekend. The show that Nate and I will be talking about. We got Mox versus Anthony Bowens, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson versus FTR. Uh, Jade Cargill defends the TBS title against Julia and Jurassic Express defends the tag titles against private party. So do we know why they held off on the FTR match? Because it was supposed to be a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's right. That's right. I mean, you know, good, good COVID thing. That's what I suspect. But then FTR did a match in Spartanburg last week with uh, uh, Rock and Rolls. Maybe Brock got some. Maybe Brock or Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Just no, no way to know these things when they don't tell us. So That's fair. And on Dynamite next week in Chicago, they've announced... MJF versus CM Punk, Pac and Penta versus the House of Black. Sick fucking show so far. We'll see what else they have planned. Yeah, back at Wintrust since the first time since Revolution, I think, 2020? I, don't I think, know. maybe. I don't know. Did they, uh, I think, didn't they run a show after All Out back in Chicago already once? Yeah, but I thought that that was at the Now Arena again. Yeah, my, oh, that was... Um, oh, no, I think that was maybe the Wintrust. Black Wednesday at the Wintrust, maybe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's the Thanksgiving show. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So they can't build us a CM Punk's debut or at the Wintrust Arena then. That would be old news. <laughs> We're on to the new shit. Dan has That's right. All right, well, I think that's it. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating interview. 
and uh, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. So uh, for Nate, for Mike, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.